Welcome everyone to episode 17 of USC's Honesty Hour podcast, where podcast here that delves into the importance of mental health and facilitates honest conversations about it. Our mission here is to highlight the importance of keeping a healthy mind while making the uncomfortable conversations comfortable. We want to foster an environment here at USC that destigmatizes mental health challenges and encourages individuals to reach out for help. I'm James Lai. And I'm Bianne Eusebio, and we're your hosts for this year. We're joined here today with Tiana Day, our guest speaker, who is a 20-year-old activist, speaker, and founder of the nonprofit organization Youth Advocates for Change. Tiana has been named CNN's 2020 Hero of the Year, Young Wonder, a Golden State Warriors Bay Area Impact Warrior, and recognized by the San Francisco Commission on the Status of Women for her intersectional activism. She's also spoken on panels for various companies, such as the New York Times, Adobe, Pepsi, Instagram, Twitter, and the Essence Magazine. She's currently attending USC at the Ivine and Young Academy, pursuing a bachelor's degree in arts, technology, and the business of innovation with a minor in education and society. Good afternoon, Tiana. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, it's great to have you join us, but uh, before we dive into the questions, let's all go around and just share one thing. Uh, what would we do on a totally free day? So what does a perfect day look like for you? I guess I can start with that. I would say a perfect day for me would be one where I would presumably get up at around, let's say, probably 9 or 10 a.m. and uh, probably just spend most of the day watching YouTube, um, watching some food videos. I'm a big foodie and uh, probably also edit some videos of my own. For me, I think that my perfect day will start off by me waking up pretty late because I'm not a morning person. And then meeting up with some friends, making a nice breakfast, maybe waffles, love waffles, maybe going on a hike and then coming back and just relaxing, you know, watching films and just having a great time with the people that I love. How about you, Tiana? Ooh, this is a great question. Um, a perfect day for me would definitely be waking up around 10 o'clock, taking my time to get ready, um, getting a great breakfast, maybe a coffee, uh, going to yoga, maybe going to the beach, relaxing. Um, I'll probably end up talking about my my journey with yoga in a little bit, but I love yoga. I think if I did it all day, I would probably have the best day ever. <laughs> That sounds amazing. And for the audience, uh, how about you take a couple of seconds to think about what you would do on your most perfect day? All right, now we're gonna start asking Tiana several questions relating to mental health. So first question is, how is mental health important to you and how does it affect your life? Yeah, let's, I love that we're just jumping right into it. Um, honestly, to be so, open and honest. Um, I struggled with anxiety pretty much my whole life. Um, and I had really intense depressive episodes growing up, especially in middle school. Um, and it always related to just my identity and race. Um, I felt like I didn't grow up growing up in a, I mean, I feel like I didn't fit in growing up in a predominantly white area. Um, and being someone who's half black and half Filipino, I really just struggled with my identity and I, it caused me to lose myself really. Um, and like, lose interest in the things that I was genuinely passion for, passionate for and try to like adopt other people's passions um, because I thought that was cool and I thought that was trendy. Um, so I had a hard time staying true to myself um, and just ultimately led to me not really enjoying my education experience. I had a really difficult relationship with going to school. Um, I was like, maybe you would know me as like one of the rebellious kids or like I was seen as like someone who wasn't like on the right track in high school. Um, but it was really because my mental health was suffering um, just in terms of like constantly living in this state of like identity crisis, like not knowing who I was, not knowing who I I wanted to be and like feeling stuck. Um, so that's kind of followed me around my whole life. Um, now 
I'm not dealing with this depression as much anymore. Um, I definitely have like my days, but anxiety does play a huge role in my life today. Um, I have ADHD, so that also plays a huge role in my life, taking my medication and um, just trying to make sure that my my mental health is um, like good enough, like good enough to get through the day. And um, I really believe as an organizer and an activist, it's, it's really difficult to get the things that you need to get done or like serve your community if you're not in the right mental space yourself. So for me, it's been a very long journey of learning to prioritize that and prioritize the fact that if I'm not good, then I can't, you know, make sure that everyone else is good. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat with you guys today. I think it's super important what you're doing and I just want to give you guys your flowers. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, um, especially since it's the first day of Black History Month. Um, very important when it comes to identity. Oh, yes, we love the shirt. We love the shirt. Um, but yeah, definitely it's important what you said about helping yourself first before helping anyone else. You know, the famous anecdote when it comes to airplanes, you got to put your mask on first before you help put on someone else's. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, well, I also really loved when you talked about like identity crisis. And I think personally, I've also experienced quite a lot of it. And I think even at the college level, especially where that's like a personal thing or even with, you know, in a more professional sense, I feel like especially at, you know, a place like, for example, uh, Marshall, where everyone's kind of a lot of people have already narrowed down what it is they'd like to do professionally. It's important to really be true to yourself and really you know, embark on your own career exploration journey without, you know, being overly influenced or uh, by others. You know, everyone has their own path and it's really important to, to find what yours is. All right, well, let's move on to our second question. So could you talk a little bit more uh, about your organization, Youth Advocates for Change, and why you established it? And uh, perhaps you can also share a couple of your, you know, perhaps favorite memories or proudest accomplishments um, from working there. And uh, also, did you do any particular projects related to mental health? Yeah. Um, so I founded my organization in 2020, three days, three or four days after my high school graduation. I was 17 at the time, was never interested in social justice or any kind of leadership. Um, but I found myself in like seeing the world really at this two point pandemic, like we were having experiencing extreme racism and police brutality in the black community, as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. And I just graduated um, in this area is predominantly white and, you know, I never had representation. So seeing a lot of my friends um, be really performative and post for Black Lives Matter, um, it really just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I'd never felt so much passion about speaking up about something. And I just started calling attention to it. And my community members were really upset about that. Like my house was egged, my car, uh, people were trying to key my car. Um, I had people threatening me um, just because I was speaking up against racism that I had experienced um, in my own community. And I didn't feel safe to do this until I graduated from school um, because I knew there was going to be no consequences. Um, So that's kind of the reason and the passion behind why I began organizing. Um, and the f- I immediately was like, you know, I want to organize a protest um, or a rally across the Golden Gate Bridge because it's a big space that a lot of people come to California for. Um, a lot of people come to the Bay Area specifically where I'm from for. Um, and I have a lot of family out there. My parents grew up there. Um, and I grew up in a small suburban town outside of the city. So for me, going to the city was going to be something that would make me or I chose to go to organize in San Francisco specifically because I knew that there's going to be more people who were going to support what I was doing. And so I led this um, this mass demonstration over the Golden Gate Bridge, organized in 18 hours with over 50,000 people attending. And um, it ended up being one of the largest protests California had for Black Lives Matter in 2020. So being 17 years old, never realizing um, the magnitude one person's voice has absolutely like changed my life. It I was shocked at how many people 
um, one social media post can reach and how many people would support something on such short notice and being able to be out there at 17 years old, like leading this mass demonstration that took headlines um, for something that I was really passionate about. You know, like I just talked about how my identity played a huge role in my how like I had really bad mental health and how I still struggle with it. And so being able to finally like break out of this shell in this box that my community put me in and really, um, you know, just speak for my community and speak on behalf of the police brutality that was going on at the time. Um, it really, really just ignited this passion in me. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of students who have the same passion. There's a lot of students who have the same passion for a million different things, a million different social causes. Um, and the best way that I got engaged was because I was making this graphic. I was like, wow, this is really fun. I can make, you know, do graphic design and create this poster for this protest. Um, and I started realizing there's so many intersections with art and activism. And so I got really passionate about bridging that gap between art and activism and making sure that students of all different, you know, ethnicities, backgrounds, genders, um, and different passions, talents, you know, you can combine those together. And I really wanted to create that space to just allow students to create at the intersection of social justice um, and like really celebrate multifacetedness because I am a multifaceted person with like a million different interests and passions for social justice and creativity. And I think that really just needs to be celebrated. So having a like minded community of students and people that are your age interested in the same things really helps you um, you know, more ideas get bounced off that and it really helps you kind of break out of your shell. So I founded my organization um, right after I had led the protest and it blew up pretty much. Um, the first thing that I did was organize a scholarship fund, which raised over $30,000 to give back to black youth. And then um, from there, there was just more people who were joining. Um, I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and both to schools and corporates and just speaking on behalf of Gen Z advocacy, why it's important to listen to young people who have passions because we are the future. Like we are making change for our future children. It's not just a right now thing. We're investing for the long term. And that's really inspiring to everyone. I mean, it's, it's what's inspired me. And I really wanted to continue bringing that um, that energy to this generation. Um yeah, I think the proudest moment I had was leading that protest because that's like me finding my my voice. And I expect I always tell everyone I brought three cases of water bottles with me. I thought that there was going to be like 15 people who showed up um, and I thought I was going to be able to give a water bottle to every single person who came to support. And I walked out of the car and there's like all these people around and all these news cameras. And someone had asked me if I was Tiana and I was like, yeah, why? Like, do we have to cancel the protest? And they're like, no, all these people are here to march with you. Um, because like, you know, we, we believe in, in equity and like being able to have this voice and be a young person and lead change. Um, it was just really inspiring. And I had um, my poster said lead with love. And I really hold that to heart. I feel like that's like one thing that I, I try to wake up every day with and like remember, like lead with love, like choose to be kind and um, just like, you know, no, like put your, be able to put yourself in other people's positions, even if you're not going through the same thing. So, yeah, um, I mean, that's that's pretty much that. That was the proudest moment. Um, and then also like finding out about activism in my family. I'm kind of going on a tangent. Um, but yeah, I found out that my dad was an activist and then my grandfather was an activist. My grandfather was actually one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party in Oakland. And my dad was organizing at my age for the Rodney King movement. And no one told me this because they thought that they didn't want me to have to be forced into activism. But it was really like my own passion that brought me there and probably like generationally as well um, had that in me. But um, finding out about that was another proud moment of just like my activism career. Um, and then I was yeah, I mean, getting obviously awarded um, CNN Hero of the Year, too, was was really incredible. Um, but I would say the other two were probably more important than any award I could have ever received because I really learned a lot about myself and like the capacity of what one person can do if they just follow their passion. Well, first, I would just like to say, like, what a beautiful slogan, lead with love. I... I'm going to be using that for the rest of my life. But no, I think it's it's so important what you mentioned about just, you know, dealing with COVID and then the Black Lives Matter movement, because I personally, too, 
felt like I was in a very deep depressive episode, also coming from a predominantly white neighborhood, predominantly white school, where a lot of people just really didn't understand what it meant to be a Black person during a pandemic and during a moment where you just have to fight to exist. So I feel like it's so important that you brought up how life-changing unity, you know, unity of people of all different races, backgrounds, all different, you know, classes, like the people being able to connect during such a difficult time and how um, it's able to like transform someone's mental health. Because I know that once I was able to find my small little community, even if it was my family, um, it still was able to kind of pull me out of that depressive little hole that I built for myself during that time. So I just think it's absolutely fantastic that you were able to do that with thousands and thousands of people. So really great job. Thank you so much. I I really resonate with the part where you're saying like community can be as big or as, as, I mean, it could be as small or as big as, you know, three people to 50,000 people. Like it really, it really, matters like what you feel in your heart so yeah i love that i also really loved uh when you mentioned you know lead with love but also the importance of empathy and i think you know in the world we're living today where you know we're all becoming such complex creatures and in so many different facets of life it's important to to have that empathy and have that mutual understanding and, and cultivate that kind of mutually supportive environment where you know we're all rising up together and progressing as as humans. So I think that's also really important. All right. So getting on to the next question, you know, as a nonprofit leader and community organizer, you're most likely very busy and overwhelmed. So we would like to know what methods you use to maintain a good work-life balance and what do you usually do to manage the stress and burnout and um, promote mental health? Yeah, I love this question. And anytime I'm doing any kind of interview, I always talk about burnout and like the capacity of organizing because people think, you know, it's so fun. You're moving with so much passion, but you I really get burned out very easily and very quickly. So taking care of my mental health and like managing my stress, finding that work life balance is so important. Um, And it's something I struggle with every single day. Like I every single day I I struggle with like turning my computer off or putting it to the side or, you know, like being able to choose me time. Um, it's always been something that I struggled with when I have, when I run with a lot of passion, but if I don't give myself that time, I burn out to the point where it's like, I cannot get myself out of this rut. I want to sleep all day and just like not, not deal with it. Um, and that's when I feel like giving up and I want to be like really transparent and really honest and really vulnerable about that because I think that's the side of activism that a lot of people don't see and hear about you just see people like you know leading amazing movements or like doing great things and you're like wow like I want to do that but I I feel like you know I get tired too easy like that is something completely um relatable that people in this community experience organizing um but yeah like i like i mentioned in the very beginning of this this podcast yoga has been the most incredible thing for me um i grew up as a cheerleader and a dancer and so movement was always really important i found a lot of comfort in going to the gym when i was during the pandemic and um during my gap year and the year that i before i transferred to usc um but coming to usc um, I was not being I wasn't able to find movement the same way that I found it at home. It was really hard for me to go to the gyms here. It's just really crowded. And so I had found a black owned yoga studio that's only 10 minutes from campus. And I started going there and it's really been such an incredibly spiritual healing release. Um, every single time I go to class, um, I found a lot of comfort in the people and the teachers who are there and just like community in general. I think we can even have a whole another conversation about moving to a different school from a, a city, like a city, you know, a different city. Um, and I've never moved outside of my own hometown. So being able to find a community um, that wasn't even my community, like that I grew up around, it it was really comforting. Also journaling, I've always journaled since seventh grade. I've had like diaries ever since then and have like 
listed every single big moment that's happened in my life. So being able to journal and like reflect back on those journal entries, seeing how much I've grown and changed and um, just knowing that I can't attach myself to any current feelings or like mentalities because we're constantly evolving creatures. Like I'm never, you can't go back into the moment five seconds ago. And honestly, um, something really resonated with me yesterday at yoga when my instructor said that memories only belong or memories only exist in your mind. And that has been something really, really grounding for me because I'm someone who gets really attached to like, you know, if someone says something mean to me, like it, it hurts me. Uh, I'm like a sensitive person. Or, you know, if, if I see a social media post, um, you know, that's kind of like opposing how I feel or like my personal experiences. Uh, but being able to remember that certain thoughts and memories and moments, they only exist in your mind. And like that doesn't determine your future. It's been like, again, just that's super spiritually healing for me. Um, and like, I could even get into a whole thing of like how generational trauma affects you too as well, especially like as a black organizer, um, you carry all of the trauma um, that your ancestors had. Um, and you can find that out through yoga and through movement of your body. Like I, you don't even know where your body is storing that trauma and that hurt. Um, that's not only for black organizers, not even for only organizers, but that's everyone, you know, you carry a lot of heaviness from, you know, the, the wounds that your family and your parents are healing from and, um, you know, yourself. So I think it's really important to find a movement. For me, it's through yoga. Um, but just being able to find grounding work, it really helps me when I'm feeling overwhelmed and um, just being really intentional about being present in the moment and not worrying about the future, not worrying about the past, but like being right there in that moment and enjoying that moment, and, like expressing gratitude for it. Yeah, I, I totally resonate with a lot of the things that you just spoke about. And I feel like especially being at USC at such a prestigious and competitive school, a lot of the students feel the same way. You know, we're surrounded by actors, actresses, world changers, like just really young people who have done so much for the world already. And something that I've noticed is you know, that pressure to maintain that success, but also constantly do more. And so I'm very happy that you brought up like how difficult it is to like be able to just relax and admit that you're tired and admit that like everything that you're doing is very, very hard work. And it's not normal for someone to just consistently be working this way, you know? Um, and I feel like throughout the previous podcast episodes that we've had as well, you know, um, it was such a big point to say that people need to have these conversations. People need to be more honest about the difficult paths that they deal with when it comes to success. And so, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for bringing that up because I feel like a lot of people need to hear that it's not easy and that you're human, so you can get tired. Uh, so, yeah. And also, I absolutely loved what you talked about, really, you know, taking time for yourself. And I think like someone like you who has so much passion, it's important. I feel like there's that kind of misconception that, you know, if you're a person with so many you know, different visions and goals, you're supposed to be, you know, pushing all the time, but it's important to take that time. And because when you burn out, you can't carry through that passion anymore. So it's important to really take time for yourself to recharge and be able to you know, really push forward in, in the future and, you know, have those moments. All right. Well, moving on to our next question. Uh, do you have a recent experience you'd like to share besides your organization's uh, leadership that has challenged your mental health? And uh, what lessons have you uh, gained and taken away from that experience? Yes, I sure do. I wrote a list for you guys, actually. Um, one, balancing school with life. I feel as every college student has experience. Two, being separated from my family, especially my little sisters. They play like such a huge role in my life. Um, and like not being able to be there for them through like their hard times going through the same schools that I went to. It's really difficult for me, um, especially because I just got way closer with them over winter break. Um, so it's been hard for me to be separated from them. Um, number three, being attached to people and experiences I can't control. I touched about that a little bit, um, but that's huge for me. Like I, like I said, I have, I like to think that I'm someone with a really big heart and a lot of passion. And, you know, I, especially with 
friends or situations or like things I, I want to commit to and like I can't or I have to like let go of them, it's really difficult for me to to separate those things. So that's been something I've been trying to work on. And then finally, having an imposter, imposter syndrome at USC, like you said, um, it's just it's really hard to be here. But for me as a community organizer, like I visited USC when I had already gotten through, I go to the Ivy and Young Academy. So I had to go through an interview before I got in. And once I got my, my answer that I, or I got, I heard back from them and they told me that I had an interview. I went to visit the school for the first time and seeing all of the displacement that the university has done and like gentrification of South Central and of the community here, like that, that was like a different kind of, of perspective that I saw. I feel like my dad, I went with my dad and my dad was like, wow, like USC, it's so beautiful. It's so shiny. Like, but it, for me, all I saw is like the second you walk in the gates, yeah, everything's beautiful. And you walk out of the gates and you see all of the families and all of the, the, like, I would say like all of the, the community that this university has displaced um in south central and it really frustrates me when people are like oh you know we live we ucla is in such a nice place like we live in we live in the bad part of la and it's like you don't you guys don't even realize how much damage this university has done to people while it's an incredible university i like i haven't i haven't applied to anywhere else i only went to you i only applied to usc and only into the program that i did um, because it was my dream school but i'd never been here and coming from like a community organizer perspective um, and then seeing all the displacement and all of the the kind of the effects of this mass, you know, corporation, this mass, this mass university has done to this community, like really, really broke me apart um, and made me reconsider. But I didn't really have any other options. Like I said, I only applied here um, as being really ambitious. So, um, yeah, having imposter syndrome in terms of my community activism by going to the school. Um, I know that there's a lot of things that I can do in order to make it better, um, which I could probably talk about later on, um, but I am starting a lot of new initiatives that will hopefully help bridge that gap between USC students and um, like the South Central community. But um, yeah, that the imposter syndrome and that lens of just like not doing enough for the community and like taking away from the community by going to the school and like putting my money here and not going to an HBCU. Like those were all things that really, really like took a huge toll on me and my mental health and just like rethinking um, if what I do is good enough for um, like, am I actually making a difference if I'm just like putting my money back into this institution that is displacing people. Um, but on the other spectrum of things, the, the university does a lot of incredible things um, for the community. And one of them being at the Race and Equity Center. Um, I found a lot of comfort here. It's where I work. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, it's it's two-sided spectrum. But that was probably the hardest thing this past year that really challenged my mental health. Um, and yeah, just just thinking about that kind of made me rethink what my goals are and my values are and how I can re bring that part of me and bring that passion that I have from home into this new community and like learn about the community and learn how I can help contribute to, um, you know, building generational wealth in the black and brown communities, especially that were displaced through the university. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you said. I feel like just imposter syndrome in general um, is a very difficult thing to manage. Um, if I could share a little bit about where I come from. So I actually grew up in a very low income community, but you know, I was very lucky to get a scholarship, go to a really good private school and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I, I actually, did have that same conflict coming to USC, realizing like, wow, I'm like so lucky to be at such a great educational and prestigious university, but like stepping outside and seeing a place that looks very familiar to home to me, but to have, you know, friends and, you know, um, people that I'm close to be like, oh, it's so like, it's so dangerous. It's so bad. Like, I don't like the area outside of USC, but being like, 
that's something I'm very familiar with. And it's because there are people that just haven't been given the given the resources like me to, you know, leave that type of area to succeed. And so I feel like um, something that I personally kind of take in and try to focus on is understanding that like, even though I am a community leader and I want to help everyone and I want to be there for everyone, there are ways that I can use these resources, like use my education at USC, use the people that I meet at USC, not use, but like have them help and support me in my ambitions of making the community around USC better, but also communities like mine back at home, you know? So Definitely don't let it pressure you too much because there's so much that you can learn here. There's so many people that know the issues around, you know, the displacement of people around here at USC and who are willing to help. Yeah, I I really resonate with everything you said. And there was one part where you're like, yeah, there's not a lot of people who or you like there's you'll have friends that don't understand kind of the background that you come from. Um, but I also see it as like, there was something that you said, I forgot what it was, but it really resonated with me. Um, and my response to that was being like on the opposite side of the spectrum, whereas like students like who have grown up in low income communities or maybe not had all the resources we're now seeing and are merging with students who have all of the resources and all of the abundance and like still glamorize kind of like the, the life, um, like, you know, they, they'll, they'll glamorize kind of growing up in low income communities or like glamorize like hip hop culture or like black culture um and like it looks cool to them or like growing up with a struggle looks cool to people for some reason um and it's it really resonated with me because it's like there's, there's people like that who have no perspective really and or haven't yet opened their eyes to perspective and they they can only see like oh wow this is a bad place because there's trash on the floor when it's like yeah like this is somewhere that feels familiar to me or this is a space that I've been in before this is almost like more comfortable than being in a space where these people are driving brand new cars and you know wearing like designer outfits um so that's where I feel like USC is really an interesting place because there's it's a melting pot of definitely a mixture of people coming from all different backgrounds and countries even um, with so many different perspectives and I wish that that was just celebrated a little bit more and talked about because for those people who haven't experienced that I think it's really important that again going back to that theme of empathy where like you can put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand where they've come from um, and like be able to put yourself in that perspective and make change to that. Absolutely. Well, let's move on and just kind of make a pivot from there. Um, being a young woman of color, do you believe that stereotypes have negatively impacted your mental health? And if so, how do you really maintain confidence and, and combat these uh, stereotypes that, that really demean your, your mental health? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to share a story that is very personal and um, I want to share more often with people because this is it. It leads up to really why I began organizing and why I'm so passionate behind it. But like I said, I grew up in a predominantly white area um, and I was criminalized in high school, honestly, for holding a vape device for a friend like in my backpack and my school had pressed charges on me. I was suspended and um, they like I had a court date and a court fine and all of this stuff. It was insane. My, I'd never gotten in trouble before. So this was huge. Like it took a major blow to my self-confidence. I lost like all faith in myself in being able to have a positive education experience after this. Like it was just huge. And it for it to not even be like it, it wasn't representative of my character um, and everyone makes mistakes. You know, like I was like, what, like 15, 16 years old and was holding on to a vape device. Like, yes, that's not okay. But um, for the magnitude of my punishment, it especially it being first offense, like it was just, it was crazy. Um, and it led to me getting like really severely bullied from my friends. And I laugh about it because it's like, why would you bully someone? But it's like, they, they wanted, they bullied me because they're like, you're so dumb for like having that having that and like being in that situation um and so i 
yeah, I lost all my friends and I ended up leaving sophomore, leaving school sophomore year um, because I was physically assaulted um, because of all of this stuff going on. Um, and I had a really bad concussion. And so I actually couldn't go to school for two months and I had to do, con- I was concurrent with independent study and regular school. So I'd get out of school every day at like 1030 and um, I just worked. And that's like all I knew was like just to work and like just be just like provide for myself and my family and just like there's nothing like I did not see myself going to school I would never see myself going to USC USC was like a a super out of reach for me Um, so to be here now and know that those stereotypes were planted in my head um, I or not well let me get through this first there's this thing called the school to prison pipeline Um, it's very familiar in the black and brown communities um, and Black and brown students are often disproportionately affected by this, by um, teachers and staff and admin um, criminalizing students or giving them harsher punishments um, due, and due to seeing like representation of black and brown people in the criminal justice system. I mean, yeah, the prisons, prisons in like prison systems and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, oftentimes black and brown students are getting higher suspension rates, more expulsion rates, um, getting more in trouble um, instead of taking restorative approaches. And that really, like, I didn't know that was a thing. I just, you know, thought that, oh, my friends and I always got picked on because we were black. And, you know, we, if anything ever happened at school, then we were constantly the ones who were getting pointed fingers at. And so it was difficult to to go through those experiences and like leave school. And um, like, again, my identity has played like such a huge role in why I do what I do. And um, I didn't have access to that education. I didn't know what the school to prison pipeline was. And I didn't know that that was a shared issue that happens among black and brown students. Um, And so when all these things have personally happened to me, um, it did really negatively affect my, my mental health and the way that I viewed myself and my abilities. And, um, I had lost complete all faith in my education career. Like I said, like I didn't expect myself to go to school after that, um, or care about it until I refound my love for passion in, um, the Black Lives Matter movement and like organizing and seeing myself and, um, taking education from, approaching education in a new lens where I can learn about things that are representative of my history and my culture and other people's history and culture. Cause I felt like I didn't learn about that in the public, uh, uh, public California education system. Um, so yeah, I mean the way that I, I got out of it and like maintained confidence, I guess to combat it is, um, sharing that knowledge and like spreading that knowledge among other people. Um, there's a lot of things that, that makes sense when you start educating yourself on um, just racial issues from all different, all different races, like not even just, obviously I have a lot of knowledge um, because I'm passionate about race equity and in the um, making it more, making America a better space and creating space for black people here. But um, there's so much you can learn when you take education into your own hands. And that's like one of my biggest takeaways from, having that really insane and unjust and unfair experience because um, I was represented in a way that just was not myself. And because of that, it ruined my reputation. It made me like think really badly about myself. And um, I just had to come out of that. And I came out of that through the lens of education, which is why I'm an education and um, society minor now. Um, Seeing that that intersection is really important to me and being able to bring up these conversations and develop platforms and educational resources for people to like see themselves in education and like learn why the system is set up this way and how it affects people generationally. Yeah, I find it like, thank you, first of all, for sharing such a personal story. Um, Sorry you had to go through that, you know, I do feel like there's so much pain that comes to being a person of color. Um, And, you know, especially when it comes to like the education prison system um, topic that you brought up, I feel like it's, it's very, very complicated because a lot of people kind of view black people as aggressive and as criminals from the first place. You know, I know even since I was a young, young child, like, 
I was always followed whenever I was in a candy store or if I held a doll at Target, you know, someone would always be like, did you pay for it? You know, it's just the perception of Black people has always been criminalized from the start. But um, I think that it's it's such a powerful thing that you are able to like build your confidence back up from such a complicated situation and um, now be able to go to such a prestigious university and not only like show yourself, but show other people that like these situations can hold someone back and can infect them in such a negative way, but that we are people who deserve an opportunity to fight and to show that like, you know, we're just the same as anyone else and that people make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that like, they're allowed to be punished differently just because of the color of their skin, things like that. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that. And it gives me a lot of hope in, you know, people like us or just uh, people of color in their communities. And um, it gives me a lot of hope in our community, knowing that, like, we can see others growing from such difficult situations. I want to say yeah. just thank you again for, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Okay, I just want to say, like, thank you for, for sharing that. And I think really, you know, a part that really resonated with me was, you know, when you talked about how you went into education after kind of this experience. And I think that's really important for someone who has gone through so much, being able to really come to terms with, with that experience and what you've learned from it. And I think with a lot of different situations, it's really how you manage those emotions and 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 all those learnings from those experiences and how you can, and I'm really proud of how you've really turned that into fuel into you know, your Youth Advocates for Change organization and really uh, be able to drive that passion and, and those strong emotions into something positive for the, for the world. Thank you, that means a lot. And like, yeah, like I said, I think I really went into education because um, these are systemic barriers that have really, they're rooted in slavery, really, um, and in history. And there's a lot of things that people need to unlearn in order to like be more empathetic. Um, and our education system currently, our public education system, at least in California that I experienced, definitely did not um, represent students well. So thank you guys both for for the for saying that. I, it it really I really it really resonates with me as well. Um, and I'm glad that you guys can even offer a space to have this conversation. It's really awesome. Well, thank you once again. And we're going to move on into a different question. So we want to know if you have any goals for your future and um, if you are working, if you have any way that you're working towards reaching those goals and as well as like what mindset, I know you kind of covered your mindset when it comes to your organization, but like what mindset do you have to have in order to foster and, you know, reach those goals? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I have I have three goals for you. So one community goal um, for Los Angeles. I'm going to be launching a new organization collective called the Black Space Collective, and it's to unite the South Central community and the USC students um, and really just hold space for um, building generational wealth in the Black community. I think for a long time, um, with my nonprofit, because there's so many intersections and so many people that we serve. Um, I kind of forgot, or not forgot, but I really just wanted to get back to my roots of why I started. Um, and it's because of like the miseducation and um, like kind of the the bias education that we learn in in um, public schools or that I, again, I did learn in public schools because everyone has different education depending on where you go. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I understand that there's so much knowledge that can be spread. Like you said, like we have so many resources here. Um, there's people who have businesses, there's entrepreneurs in the community who have businesses and, you know, they're taking all their pictures on a phone. I can easily go into my, the academy and go rent a camera and like have a full photo shoot in one of the studios that we have like as usc students we have access to so much and there's so many people who want to make change in the community or like help out people in the community they just don't know how to start and i think one of the gifts that i have is really being able to be the driver of the vehicle and like seeing the way that 
things can intersect in ways that people can get involved that are really creative. So um, launching the Black Space Collective um, tonight, actually, um, is going to be really exciting. Um, I I have a lot of hopes and plans to, um, you know, do create creative community events like hosting dinners that are open to everyone um, to just like learn and build and cultivate like conversations around generational wealth um, with the South Central community and USC. Um, And then my nonprofit goal, because Youth Advocates for Change does still run currently, um, but I want to turn it, um, pivot into a curriculum more curriculum based. Like that's where I started. That's where my passion began. Um, but over the years, I don't think I had the resources to really work in education or develop curriculum. Like I said, I was 17 years old when I started it. Um, and the way that that program runs is students will submit ideas for community projects that hit an intersection of their passion and a social justice um a social justice cause and we create community projects based on that so it's like bridging the two and creating projects or events um, offering students funding mentorship resources that kind of thing Um, and that's been running great i want to still keep that model but i'd love to add um, inclusive curriculum um, and like social justice curriculum really um, like pdf files that are inclusive they're accessible they're sustainable so like no textbook printing is needed, um, something that we can add to our website or add as a platform to use for teachers and educators to teach young students, like talking like K through five or even K through eight, um, kind of to represent themselves in education really early. So that's the plan and the pivot for Youth Advocates for Change and then the launch for Black Space Collective. And then for myself, um, again, just being super present and intentional every single day, like listening to my body when I need to stop, because that is the biggest thing, um, you know, as a nonprofit founder, then launching this new collective. And I'm also working at the Race and Equity Center on the business solutions team doing business consulting. And I public speak and I, you know, am a full-time student like it's really important for me to find balance during the day um because there's so many hats i hold and so many things plates i juggle on a day-to-day basis um so like my goal for this year is really to to practice self-care more um journal more meditate more be present and really intentional and like at the end of the day if i don't feel like if i feel like i'm rushing something i want to be strong enough to be like I don't need to do this. Like if this is compromising my mental health, I don't need to do it. It's not that necessary that this project gets done. And I I am in control to where the point where if I have a project or an event that's tomorrow and I'm too stressed about it, I can put myself first and say, I'm canceling this event. I don't care how many people RSVP'd or how much money I already spent on it. Like my mental health comes first and I'm going to cancel this event because of that. Like I want to grow up, not grow up, but like grow myself to that point to be that strong in my my core value um, to protect my peace and my mental health, um, hopefully this year. But those are my goals and my mindset that will hopefully... And will, I'm going to say will, so we manifest it into existence, will be happening this year within the next few months. I am going to feed off that energy and hopefully come up with big goals like that for myself this year as well. Um, But I really do wish you luck on all of your initiatives. And, you know, me and James are always here to help if you ever want to do something with mental health. Absolutely. Now, uh, let's move on to our final question. Um, throughout your years of, of working, do you have any kind of resources, whether that's podcasts, different classes, music, hobbies, books, and other resources that have really helped your mental health over the years? And uh, are there any you'd like to share with uh, us and the audience at home? Yes. Um One, I must plug a fellow USC Trojan. Um, Her name is Journey. She has a podcast with her friend Layla, and it's called The Alone Together Podcast. Um, It is so incredible. Um, It's a mental health, it it is a mental health podcast, um, but it's honestly, we're talking about it and it's more spiritually toned. Um, So, you know, incorporating mindfulness and like being really intentional. um, It has been really one of the most 
incredible resources I came across. Um, I listened to her podcast before we became friends and now we go to yoga together and um, she is a great person. I hope you guys get to speak to her one day, um, but she, she runs this podcast with her friend called Alone Together and you guys must check it out. Um, another recommendation is definitely um, going to the, the Yoga Tree Cooperative, which is the yoga studio I go to 10 minutes away from campus. It's in South Central. It's um, Black and Latinx owned. It is an incredible space for healing and like mindfulness and just being present in the moment. I absolutely love that collect um, that cooperative. Um, they're super sweet. And it's actually only $40 for unlimited yoga for your first month. And then it's $99 every month after that. But that's really affordable compared to a lot of the yoga studios in LA, in the world. You guys have to check it out. Um, and books, any bell hooks books have been really um, influential for me. Um, any books written by her, they've been um, a lot of great. It's been really foundational for kind of like my mindset when it comes to organizing and activism um, and just... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of resources I probably could could continue to list on, but I can't think of any at the moment. I would say those are like my top three. Well, we'll definitely, you know, share that with the audience. And if you ever come up with any more, just let us know. We'll add it to our Instagram. But thank you so much, Tiana, for talking with us today and sharing your valuable insights with us. You know, something that I take away from this conversation is just the power of one voice. You know, it does not matter how young you are, where you come from, um, your past experiences. You know, if you're truly passionate about something and want to make a change, anything's possible as long as you unite with others. So. Yeah, and I would say my biggest takeaway from this is just lead with love, right? Love kind of is the champion of all. And if you if you lead with love, you know you're doing the right thing. So thank you for that. Yes, I love it. Yes. Lead with love. Thank you guys so much for having me. It really has been so much fun. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast. So thank you for creating the space and the conversation just for students um, and really people everywhere to prioritize mental health and um, yeah, just making space for these conversations. It's super important. And yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. We'll see you in the next episode. It's not a game. It's a red